Hello everybody and welcome back to Eyes on the Mize. My name is John and that's Ian. What is up? So this is March 1st and it is episode 52, a year's worth of mising and Modern Masters 2017 because that set is insane. We've been doing this for a year. Woo! Happy year. Happy birthday podcast. Happy birthday to you. It's wonderful. And so we're going to talk a little bit about our year in review for doing the podcast, and then we're going to talk about the Modern Masters 2017 spoilers, because there's not much else to talk about aside from that. Why, why would we want to talk about anything else? Because it's amazing. That is true. But first, we're going to turn our eyes to the community, because we had a few things going on. This weekend is the Magic Online Championship Series, the actual championship part. Um, you've got players like Owen Turtonwald, Marcio Carvalho... And a bunch of others who are playing for a the biggest prize available for competition on Magic Online, uh, with coverage being run by uh, Athena Huey and Randy Bueller with the VSL style of coverage, which yeah. is going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, I'm kind of curious how it's going to work, but um, I mean VSLs worked out pretty good with the way they handle coverage on that, so we'll see. Uh, it was kind of funny seeing some tweets from people like uh, Lee is like, oh, traveling to the event site today for the Mox Championship. And it's like, yeah, it just means I'm going downstairs to the office. And I'm like, yeah, he's just going down to the huge, like, conf- it's not really conference room. It's like, I guess, common area, big old lunchroom-ish thing. I don't really know what they call it. They usually call those multi-purpose rooms. It's, yeah, it's the one they held, like, the women's event I talked about a couple weeks yeah. ago on. But it, it's most like, that's where they hold all their big events, so... There we go. Also, this past weekend was uh, GP Utrecht. I think I pronounced that correctly. Or was it Utrecht? I don't know. I don't know. We're, we're Americans, uh, so we're saying it probably wrong. <laughs> probably. it's That's usually the case, um, which was standard. Um, and the big through line for that event is that uh, the Mardu Vehicles decks are now playing Walking Ballista yeah. because that card is silly. Yeah, they're just basically being called Mardu Ballista decks now. Um, who needs Winding Constrictor for Ballista to be good because it's it's a good card. You should play it probably, depending on your deck. Um, namely, the thing is the top three decks uh, of the weekend have adopted the Ballista strategy and kind of a casualty, I guess you could say, of that in these vehicle decks is... Good old veteran motorist, the red-white 3-1 dwarf pilot, where you get, like, Ender's Bath with Scry 2, and when it crews a vehicle, it gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. Ballista just pings that bad boy out of the out of the park, so yeah, they're Ballista dropping that. Yeah, Ballista is very, um... No, go ahead. Oh, no, no, you, you go. Well, Ballista kind of hates on X1s a, a bit, because it, you can just play it on turn two and then just go ahead and have it trade with whatever X1 they have, like, whether it's a motorist or whatever. Yeah, another thing that, though, these, uh... Mardu Ballista decks, I guess we can call them now, are doing is they're running basically just Heart of Kirin now. So they're more of just a Mardu Beat Stick deck running a couple Planeswalkers and just a bunch of aggro cards that are just going to punch you in your face. Um, yeah. It seems like a good strategy. It won a Grand Prix. Um, granted, your mileage may vary based on your local area group, but uh cool thing is, so there were four Mardu... Four Mardu vehicle slash ballista decks in the top eight. Three black ring constrictors and a four color Sahili deck. Ninth was Mardu vehicles. We had a couple teamer Dynavolt Tower. That seems to be what some of these Dynavolt Tower decks are going towards. I just picked up a couple of the cards I needed for that. I'm going to see how it plays out compared to the Grixis version. Um, then just a bunch more Mardu vehicles, Mardu vehicles, constrictor, Dynavolt Tower, Sahili. Interesting enough, the Dynavolt Tower decks outnumber the Sahili decks in the top 32. 
Well, Dynavolt Tower is a really good card to interrupt the combo with. Like, well, a lot I'm, of the cards that we're seeing see play, like Winding Constrict or not Winding Constrictor, a Walking Ballista Shock and Dynavolt Tower are really good at interacting with the Sahili uh, Feldar Guardian. Combo. Okay, so I was slightly wrong. They they don't outnumber it. They just tie it. <laughs> yeah, but there was also a Sultai Control deck at thirty second place, which actually looks pretty cool. Uh, is, is it? It's the literally it's li- with the past Gear Hulk deck. Yeah, it's just literally running Gear Gear Hulk at blue and the gates in the sideboard, but it looks pretty sweet. Yeah. Those decks usually are incredibly sweet. But yep, so that's that standard update yep. for you. Yeah. So if you're going to a PPTQ this weekend, make sure you bring your walking ballistas because it's a really good card. So or have a plan to fight ballista. Also true. Push it. So let's Push go ahead and jump first into our year retrospective of doing the podcast. Uh, I didn't check the exact dates, but I think we're we're basically roughly just a year, anyways. I mean, I just the... I just look at like your your pin tweet <laughs> saying just a yeah. reminder we started a podcast. The first two episodes were up, and it was on March twelfth. So yeah. backtracking that two weeks puts it right about this time period. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So our original goal was to see how we can improve while playing Magic while going about what our usual lives. Um, and you know, things happen and things change. You moved from Texas to Seattle. Well, I had already been in Seattle at the point. Um, oh, that's right. I've been, I just moved. We were actually hoping to start earlier, but because of my move and the craziness of the move, we waited till I got internet and everything set up. And then we started March cause it was like, I had just gotten settled in. Um, however, with a new move and a new unit, I had no idea what the heck was coming in my way. So life definitely took a turn for interesting i guess you could say in terms of just exactly how much i was able to push myself improving wise but anyway we'll cover that in a second but what we did on the podcast this year oh yeah so we had a few tournament reports usually from game days and uh, gps and a few ptqs um from my end mainly because i know ian doesn't have a lot of time to go try to grind planeswalker points at ptqs i just did a G- I just did a grand prix trial um, and we've kind of seen a lot of growth, I think, in, in certain areas there. I know that I have when we get to our, our personal year in MTG stuff, but being able to talk through kind of how tournaments gone gone over and how we might have misplayed here or could have done something better there, I think it's probably one of the best things that this podcast does because it kind of gives us a running record of this is this was our year. And these are the mistakes we've made, and this is how we've tried to get over them or get past them. Yeah, it was one thing I always used to do anyway, and like your mileage may vary on this one as well, uh, but I would always write notes about games. Um, life pad-wise, I kind of prefer the channel Fireball life pad just because of how they're laid out. You get your three games, and you have a nice side, chunky side column for notes on. Like others will put the notes at the bottom. That's fine too, but I kind of like... Ones that have that decent space and stuff like that. I'll put notes for game one, game two, and game three. Kind of like some key points like, hey, I missed lethal with this thing. Hey, I missed this kind of particular thing. Or, hey, this was a cool line of play. I always put win, loss, like how I did it, lethal on board. Um, just little tiny notes, like shorthand that I have to myself. So I can look back at my, and I'll always put in the notes too, like opponent's name at the top. And like the little margin, put their name at the top, the deck they were on, what round it was, what event it was, what my record was at the like after that round. So just so I can look back and literally have like a, okay, yeah, this round I played, say for instance, I played Team Emerge this round, or I went up against, uh, what was it, company, see, like uh, hum, uh, Bant Company Humans. 
um, looking back at stuff like for when I was at Grand Prix Portland. So it was kind of cool to be able to have a reference guide for myself. Yeah, I kind of recommend it. Really, yeah, it, it definitely actually, helps a lot. It's definitely yeah. It's helped me help me reflect on my own play. Even and I do it even at like stuff like pre-release, mm-hmm. just because it's one thing if you want to go back and look at it, and you can just be like, okay, yeah, cool. Like just the way you kind of flick through and see where you can improve your game. Oh yeah, I don't do that many in in-depth notes, but again, your mileage may vary depending on your own personal own personal ticks and how you want to do things. I love notes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. Anyways. The next thing that we did is we did a few deck techs, which are kind of hard to do in an audio-only form, uh, but I think we did a good job trying to talk through card choices and matchup choices and how to figure out which cards in the deck are important. The, fu- the fun thing about doing deck techs, and what really kind of makes it sting a little bit in retrospect, is when you talk like the, the two main decks we did were Infect and Storm. We did them back in like episodes ten or eleven, like between episodes ten and fifteen, or when we did the the two modern ones for John and my favorite modern deck, the centerpiece is like the thing, one of the big pieces of both those decks just recently got banned with great Gitaxian probe. So our entire podcast where we're just like talking for an hour about the deck, it's going to change. But in my case for infect, it hasn't really changed a whole lot. We just changed our, um, you know, pump suite a little bit, tweaked the little protection suite. But for you, man, storm has changed a lot. Storm has certainly changed a lot, and I have to play with the new version of the deck to, in order to kind of really make sure I know what it does and how it works, um, because it is a very different style of deck. Oh, yeah. Um, also, Infect was episode 11, and a Storm was episode 15. Aha! My range was right, though. Bam. You were absolutely correct. Straight up nailed it. Anyway, no, so with John's thing with Storm is it went from being a pyromath. There's actually a great article that just came out. Um, I was reading it today. I'll see if I can find it and put it in the show notes um, about Storm and how it's evolved over the years and how it's now packing Gifts Ungiven package with Baral, Chief of Compliance, as opposed to the old Pyromaster Ascension engine, just because you don't have the cheap cantrip of Gitaxian Probe anymore. Um, but Yeah, losing Probe as a free way of trying to get extra counters on your Ascension and being able to draw more extra cards without having to pay mana was huge. Yeah. So I think that these new Gifts Ungiven style Storm decks is going to be interesting to see how well they play out in the future. And we also covered, you know, a how to build an EDH deck. Um, kind of a little better because we only covered more like generalized topics on that one in terms of like, hey, this is your commander. These are kind of strategies that work with a commander. Usually you can build your deck based off of one card and go from there. Look at strategies for that. I think it went really well. Uh, I do too. We also did a Grix. I don't remember what episode that one was, but we did a Grix's Tower one like a couple weeks ago for our standard deck. Oh, yeah. Um, that is still constantly in flux because, you know, sta- it's a standard deck. Standard decks are ever changing. Um, uh, the Grix's Tower was episode 50. So was- and and uh, the Akiri deck was episode 36. Yep. So there you go. Um, so I think deck tech wise, we did fine. I think going forward for us, we could probably reach out branch like looking forward to next year if we get a little better in video editing maybe somehow just move it over to one of us has magic online open and we just do a video uh yeah instant deck tech of like 10 15 minutes a nice short little thing put some different content out in a different format uh yes might just port the like not even port the audio over to podcast wise just because it's not even really worth it it is hard to do a deck tech without looking at the cards 
Yeah, and that's which is rough. But. Oh yeah, especially when you're going over like seventy-five card decks and stuff like that, and it's really easy to see the card and understand the card a little better that way. But we also did this year our takes on set previews during preview season, like we're going to do at the second half of this episode. So stay tuned for that. Oh, yeah. But I kind of think that one thing I've I've, I've actually gotten some comments, um, not really like actually on like the podcast kind of thing like that, but other people who I've talked to is like, oh yeah, I've listened to you guys' podcasts, great. Um, it just we they see with us they felt like it's more like kind of a kind of like that friends talking back and forth kind of thing morning like morning morning talk, morning talk show kind of little like just hey this is the cool kind of stuff that's just out there check this out this is what we think on it it's kind of from our perspective is you know mid-level to lower level players and stuff like that and oh yeah people appreciate that and i i really appreciated the, the the people who have reached out to us and said hey we like that so we'll try to do more of that in the future the, the one a uh, specific part of set previews that I like to do is the is the Planeswalker breakdown of breaking down whether or not these cards are going to be good in future formats. And I just want to say I called Liliana Last Hope being good in modern. I Dude, called it. I know. <laughs> it's a three mana Planeswalker. She's good. And, and she technically, everything. and technically, we could say another three Planeswalkers great in uh, Sahili because Sahili copycats a deck now because you know I don't think we saw that one coming. No, we did. No, we didn't. But it's a three mana Planeswalker that works in modern. So who knows? <laughs> it's true. Uh, next up, we had a few guests come on, um, and with Ian's upcoming um, short hiatus because of work, uh, we'll have a few. Mo- we'll have some more guests coming on. Uh, but our first guest was Liam for when we talked about Canadian Highlander way back in the day. There can only be one hundred. There can only be one hundred. And what episode was that? That was episode thirteen. Yep, right in between our man. We were doing a lot of deck text back then. <laughs> yes, yes, we were. But. So we we also had on the show like I know it was great having Liam on and uh, I don't know if we want to do a Highlander update at any point if you guys would like to hear that let us know we'll reach out to some of these guys because I know we have a bunch of people in the Highlander community we can reach out to for that but we also had Carrie and they are an amazing resource for Vorthos and Lore episodes and we've had them on a couple times oh yes uh, and I am looking to get Carrie on in the future. We are currently setting up a date to talk about the Ether Revolt story and looking forward to Amonkhet because they have, I'm sure that they have a lot of information at their fingertips that they're getting ready to, uh, to unload on us. I mean, I see them, I see Carrie posting all kinds of stuff occasionally of just like, hey, does this sound like a planeswalker who's going to betray their friends about Liliana with Nicol Bolas and man, I, I bet they're chomping at the bit to get more of the story from Amonkhet and uh, Arrow Devastation. Next, our last guest uh, that we had was Vinny, uh, one of my friends here in the Nashville area. When Ian had a had another hiatus, he had to go. He had to go. That was a work hiatus, wasn't it? That was, no, that, de- was that was Desert Bus, man. That was Desert Bus. That's right. <laughs> that's basically work. It's basically work. Uh, <laughs> Essentially, and, uh, I'm looking forward to, or we're looking forward to having Vinny on again at some point. Um, again, looking through all options as far as guests are concerned for future episodes as well. And if you guys have any. Uh, people you would like to talk to or have us talk with on the podcast, please let us know. Um, you don't need to tell us that we want that you want us to talk to wizards people. We would like to talk to wizards people, um, but you know that I, requires. I, I'll, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We're, we'll work on it. I mean, I do. Um, I mean, I'm. I do have like a kind of just like, hey, would you want to talk about this kind of thing? Maybe I could ask them. We'll see. We will see. And then we had just this year in Magic the Gathering because we started right before 
Shadows over Innistrad. And we've gotten all the way through right before Modern Masters 2017. And we're, so, Ian, and we're fairly well into Aether Revolt at this point, I would say. Yes, I would definitely say so. So, Ian, what was your personal year in MTG like? So, my year in review, I, to sum it up, basically, is I didn't play nearly as much as I wish I had. Um, the main, I guess, result of that, or main cause of that was, like I said, kind of at the top of the episode, work. I moved. Uh, from where I was stationed in my old unit for three years in Texas to my new unit here at Fort Lewis in Washington State. Uh, I did not anticipate the extent that some of my job duties would entail in terms of just how wearing it was on uh, my psyche and just my overall well-being. Um, I had to take... I wanted to stream a lot, and I was doing great over the summer, and then a lot of craziness hit towards the end of summer last year and I was just completely wiped out for three months of just like working till like 7 p.m. at night, 8 p.m. And there was just no time to play Magic. Um, that said, coming up in the year to come, I want to push through that. I mean, I know it's not too healthy to to just wear myself ragged, but there were definitely times where I'm like, man, I look back and I'm like, yeah, I could have just played like a couple games here and there. Um, and other stuff like that. So I'm definitely going to try and prioritize being like, hey, if I've got some downtime, just pop on Magic Online. Leagues have been an amazing boon that weren't really there at the beginning of the year and have like really taken over. So that'll help immensely, I feel, for me personally, just to hop into like a legacy queue. And speaking of legacy, it's one thing I really want to play some more of because I bought this stuff for Legacy Infect last year around this time. I'm just missing like a couple Wastelands and that's it. I have the Legacy Infect deck online. Um, one thing I did a lot of this year was modding. Um, I actually stepped my modding game up more than anything in the Twitch community side of the house. Um, I had already been doing for Loading Ready Run, Tolerian Community College, uh, MTA Girls, a whole bunch of uh, other popular YouTube, uh, magic content creators, ones like SG Doc and all them stuff. Uh, Gabby and LSV kind of picked me up early in the year as well. Gabby I was already mod for, but through them and all that other stuff, I got picked up for them and because of LSV and all that stuff. I got picked up for Channel Fireball for some of their content. Uh, I think it was one of their, I think it was Grand Prix LA. That was like one of the yeah. first big ones that I did. It went great. And from that, they also, I also kind of picked up by the actual Matt, like Wizard of the Coast um, official, the official, Twitch official Twitch channel. And I've been doing as much as I can uh, with my schedule and all of their events for the Pro Tours when the schedule works out, when they're not like completely flip schedule like it was for the last one due to it being in Ireland. I do what I can to be on as many Magic um, Mothership Twitch events as I can. Vintage Super League... Yeah, I'll, I'll hang out in there a little bit, but for most parts, it's the GPs and the Pro Tours and like the mocks this weekend. I'll try to do what I can to hang out in chat. And yeah, I, I definitely feel like they've also picked up a lot more mods in that channel as well. And I feel like kind of quick diversion on there. I do think that uh, Wizards has done a great job this year in particular in helping to improve their Twitch channel. I know they're already redoubling their efforts on they're working with Twitch itself, but having a good mod crew definitely pays off because it used to be and this is i don't want to you know diss on any of the mods who used to came before me because they did a great job with what they were given and but there was only like three or four of them but well, it was like the wizard staff who was on site 
and then two or three mods who were, you know, scattered all over the world, um, who they all did a great job, but when you have as many people in a Twitch channel that Magic has, you need more mods. Yeah, and we've actually ramped that up with mods, pulling from people who have done stuff, who started working, like, you know, doing work with CF Channel Fireball and some of the other uh, things. I know I think we'll pull one or two mods from some of the uh, Star City game channel as well. Uh, and they also have upped up a lot of just pros with like kind of the value sword just to you know help them stand out because of their work through like BSL and other things like that. But just having people with moderator powers in their channel has helped immensely, I think. I think the channel, yes, it's still not where I personally would love to see the channel be in terms of, I guess you could say, it's uh, a good word for it. There's definitely room to improve. There's room, like, there's room to improve. It's the the overall attitude of the community is still getting there, and yeah, I'm ahead of. Well, the, that's not something I'm, that happens overnight. Well, no, correct. And I'm ahead, I feel I'm not to my own horn. I'm ahead of the curve. I feel when it comes to you know just be nice to everybody, guys. Don't be a jerk. And yeah. we're still trying to work through that with the rest of the community. But I th- feel like we're on a good track, and I'm happy to help out with that. Um, like I mentioned. Just a little bit before talking about modding, which is really fun, and I do want to thank um, everybody who made it possible uh, through the Magic community team, anybody who works at Watsi, Channel Fireball, all the people out there who trust me with their chats to moderate them. Thank you so much. It's a huge pleasure, and I really enjoy it being a way for me to give back to the Magic community. Also, I want to give a quick thank you so much to the Magic community team, the Watsi community team of Trick, Allison, and the other two guys. Blanking on their names right now. One sec. Uh, One sec. Nate? Of Chris and Nate. Had to grab the letter. <laughs> yeah, Trick, Allison, Chris, and Nate, uh, who I didn't, I was completely shocked and I still get choked up because I got one of the Christmas cards this year from Watsi and. It's amazing. Yeah. I, it means a lot. And just thanks, guys. I really do appreciate that still. Um, that said, I said, I want to, looking forward to year, I want to stream more, play more. Probably got to, it's going to be weird. I'm not going to have a regular schedule because of army training. Army training, sir. But uh, sadly, I want to make, I've already kind of touched on it with a couple people, but I guess it's kind of like my official announcement. I'm not going to be at GP Vegas this year. Uh, I unfortunately have a scheduling conflict that came up with a month-long army training event that I will be at basically for around the whole month of June. It overlaps, and I was like devastated when I realized that I wasn't going to be there. But I am going to be at GP San, San Antonio. I have an off chance of being at Grand Prix Minneapolis later this year in the summertime. I'm going to try and get to another one in the fall if I can. But to all the people who I was hoping to meet, see at GP Vegas, I am sorry. <laughs> Duty calls. But other than that, uh, I feel like I had an okay year. Variance is kind of, the variance bug has kind of bit me lately. Um, kind of tilty. <laughs> but Everybody gets salty every now and then. Oh, yeah. It's just, it just happens. But anyway, that's enough for me. John, your year in review. So my year in review is I always felt that Going into this year, I always felt that I was in the middle 50% of Magic players. I wasn't one of the worst 25%, and I definitely wasn't one of the best 
with like the top 10% or the top 1% being, you know, pro tour players. Um, and so one of the big things that I wanted to do is I wanted to challenge myself to try to do more competitive events. Um, over the course of this year, I've top aided a standard, uh, PPTQ, which I did not expect. Um, and that was with the red green pummeler deck. Um, and I've had, and I've had some really good finishes lately in other PPTQs, um, get, being in like the top 16 or top 10 or whatever, almost like not in the top eight, but close. Uh, and then the big thing for me was, or two big things is one, I became an L1 judge, which was awesome. Um, it's a great way to give back to my local community. And the other one was the fact that I went to two limited GPs and I day two'd both of them. And I felt like that was a good vindication for kind of like, yes, I am a good magic player and that I have the, that I'm not just, you know, full of myself. Um, and so now I think I'm like in the, in like the third quartile of magic players instead of like the middle 50. I'm so still, I'm, like I'm still, I'm still well in the middle tier, <laughs> middle to low <laughs> tier, man. Everybody, everybody knows where they. Everyone should know where they fall. Granted, yeah. people tend to talk themselves up. So no, I kind of jumping in here. You've done a great job. Like you've done some work this year, my friend, and improving you. your game and stepping up. Thank you. Um, now, I mean, when I was in GP uh, GP Milwaukee, I did not. I didn't do the the uh, second draft of day two because I felt like I didn't want to have to try to grind a three zero to beat my previous uh, best record at GP at nine and six. Uh, but the next GP that I'm going to is going to be GP Orlando, which is Ether Revolt Limited. And if I scrub out there, I'm just going to draft Modern Masters 2017 all, all day on Sunday. So, you know. Value. Hashtag value. Uh, and I'm still working on plans to be at GP Vegas. But that is that is still something that we're going to be determining in the future. And I still want to try to improve. I think I can do better. I'm going to try to get that pro point. That's That's goal number one right now. I just got to make a or day two. Or GP or something. See, so you're on the, you already hit my, di- like, my goal coming forward is, like, I would love to hit a day two. Love to hit a day two. We'll see how and it you goes. you were close a few times. I, at Grand Prix Portland, I was winning in round nine. Went, hit, hit, went against the mirror of a collected company. God, I miss that. As much as people complain about that deck, man, that deck was fun to play. I loved that deck. Um, oh, yeah. I ran against the Bant Company mirror and variants got me yeah. uh my this opponent my opponent yeah my opponent had all the answers and i was just a turn behind them so yeah that's how that goes with that deck but it was fun and i'll make it i'll get there i know i will uh the only good thing for me is that i have enough planeswalker points that i get a round one buy dude sick i i, I have 1300 uh, planeswalker points and so that gets me one buy at gps hey man that's not nothing every little bit helps and it only took me two GPs and going to F and M almost every week to uh, to get there. So you can you can do it too, kids. You can do it too, and then hopefully I can just crush GP uh, or yeah GP Orlando. And well, I think yeah it was announced that LSV and Paul are doing coverage on it, and I'm assuming Marshall is also doing coverage. And I don't know who the fourth member of the coverage team is. No idea, but yeah, uh, Def uh, LSV tweeted today that he's yeah. going to be with Paul and he's going to. Try and be nice, I think is what it was. Uh, LSV's nice is, like, still seething. LSV's nice is amazing. <laughs> Not that LSV's, like, mean. It's just that, oh, the jokes, the puns. I love fantastic. it. I love Anyways, it. Anyways, that is our year in review. Only took us about, you know, 25 minutes or so. Hey, even even so, I do want to, and I just want to say thank everybody who has either join, join listening recently or been listening to us since episode one. Thank you so very much for coming with us on this journey this year so far. Oh, yeah. 
And thank you, Ian, for agreeing to talk with me once a week about magic for an hour and recording it and Dude, giving it to the internet. Also, I forgot to mention this. Can I just say it's, like, great? Like, before John and I were really talking about the podcast, like, I would just, like, be, like, ah, freaking out about magic and not really have anyone to, like, you know, the one person you, like... You always have to have, like, that one person who you just go to be like, oh, my God, this is so cool. And they'd be like, oh, my God, it's so cool, too. I found that in John, and it's great. Like, just being able to be like, dude, check this out. Be like, oh, my God, it's amazing. It's been yeah, really. Being able, to, being able to nerd out every now and then is is a good outlet. Like, hey, dude, check this link out. And we, like, DM each other on Twitter all the time. Like, pro, pro links and other people and crazy cards and cool little combos and deck lists we might have seen. I mean, heck. Yeah, when I was living in Hawaii, I got the reputation of being the guy who would literally walk into the game store with their phone out and go, hey, did you see this, guys? And uh, <laughs> I just basically became that guy. Now it's like so, nice, it's nice to have a little outlet and stuff like that. I highly recommend finding that for something you're passionate about. Whether a it's kin- TV, a kin- movies, books, nerdy a kin- things. A kindred whatever. spirit. Yeah, a kindred, a kindred spirit when it comes to that stuff. So Whether it's football or whatever. Anyways, let's there's get a set coming out in let's, a few weeks. Let's geek out, man. Let's geek <gasps> out right now. Cause damn, homie, damn. Yeah, I know. So, I know that's a, about. I know it's about borderline for cursing on this thing, but damn, I have to say, damn. A, we we busting called it. Yeah, we um, did. Stoic Angel is a was a sign that this is a gold focus set, a multicolor focus set. We have the Guild Gates at common from RTR and Gate Crash. Called it. And the Shard Trilands at uncommon. Didn't see that coming, but I'm happy they're here. Oh, yeah. They are fantastic. They're great. They have been reprinted several times, but this is more so to make limited work. Dude, the fix the fixing looks great. Like, yes. All right. Just quick aside. We just came off of KTK drafts, of which, by the way, I drafted an insane five-color deck, which was hilarious. But because of that, I can say that having stuff like Guildgates, which we had similar to with the... Um, like the refuge lands, the, the refuge, what, what the refuge or ga- the game lands, refuge lands, yeah, because it was the refuge cycle back in the original Zendikar, and having the uh, enemy wedge tri lands, fixing was amazing. Oh yeah, fixing is going to be great in this set too, and it's oh, yeah. damn good. Why? Because the cards are bonk, bonk, yeah, bananas, bonkers, bonkers, yeah. whatever you want to call it. But fixing wise, the enemy fetch lands are back. I mean. I never, I did not expect them to actually print a rare cycle of lands in a master's product. Remember, we, well, I, t- I talked about the fast lands. I mean, or the yeah. check, the check lands. It was a check lands, not the fast lands. Yeah, I was not anticip. Like, I was like, dude, it's pie in the pie in the sky dream of getting the Zendikar fetch lands, and we got them. Yeah, I didn't believe it until I saw it, and even then, I'm just kind of like, I can't believe Wizards did it. I, I mean, I can't believe it. I don't. I'm happy. Like, I can't even speak. Like, I already have all of them. I have my play sets up. Of them, I got them right as basically they jumped with BFZ, not having announced them. But the, if this means modern is more affordable to more people playing, great. Apparently, like people are saying, modern's dying, but uh, SCG events have been selling out lately for modern. Like they're getting yeah. eighty people in like their little four round side events. They're getting all kinds of like people loving modern, and this is just going to help people play the deck play the format with actual decks not budget cup decks because i can't afford all the fetch lands yeah so uh, one card that i thought might be in the set because they put the guild gates in is mazes end but mazes end doesn't fit the number crunch because every card has a number in the set and there's no cards between marsh flats and misty rainforest so no mazes end combos shenanigans for you but so yeah we did they basically just confirmed that it's strictly about fixing 
Yes. Um, and how you would draft the set is you would draft it similar to cons, where you try to get an ally colored pair and then you pivot into one of the shards. Each ally color pair has their own theme, which we talked about. Did we talk about? No, we haven't talked about that. No, yet. we didn't because it um, came out on Monday. Blue white is blink, uh, which will you'll see why <laughs> you'll see why in a minute. Uh, blue black is instant speed control. So I would not be surprised if we saw some some stuff like um, what is the card mystical teachings? If we saw mystical teachings in the set um, to help facilitate that. Yeah. Uh, red black is an unearth aggro deck where it's like the the creature flashback. Yeah, it's uh, it's looking Valora. it's looking a lot of sack effects too, to help oh, yes. grow other creatures. Uh, red green is go wide, so it's just kind of the go wide deck, and then well, go wide, go big. I think is some combination thereof, and then green white is the green white populate deck, which we haven't seen any cards with populate, probably because they're all commons or uncommons. Well, we saw a card that kind of fits into that strategy tonight. Actually, get spoiled like not even twenty minutes before we started the podcast. Oh yeah. Uh, that's at the end, though. We'll, we'll talk about those guys that got spoiled tonight at the end. But, but first, let's talk about the cards that everybody wanted to make sure was in the set. That is, in fact, Snapcaster Mage on the box. Oh, yeah. Big Snappies. Got a rarity uptick, mind you, to Mythic, but deservedly so. Which is so. probably deserved. No, deservedly like, so. Mythics are not meant to be splashy, and Snapcaster Mage is definitely a splashy card on reputation alone. Also, I want to address this right now um, because I know I've heard some other content creators talking about this and, like, eh, you know... Why did why do we why are we getting all these art changes like Void Made Prodigy getting its art change, Bob getting its art change, like a uh, Dark Confidant getting its art change, uh, you know, uh, John Finkel's card, Shadow Mage, Shadow Infiltrator. Mage Infiltrator getting its art changed. Yesterday, uh, February twenty eighth, on Mark Rosewater's Tumblr blogatog, he actually got asked this question and addressed it, saying, "Every time we've and this is quoting from Morrow." Every time we've done redone an invitational card, we've changed the winner's image. The prize was getting their image on the original version, not all versions. Uh, Voyage Prodigy might be the only one where that's not entirely true because the original printing didn't have a good, you know, picture of Kai. Because Voyage Prodigy, Kai Buddha's card, and it's like far oh, away. Oh, my bad, my bad. Really no, 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 they printed it again. Voyage hasn't been. It was reprinted Time Spiral with the same art, I believe. No, different art. Or a different art, yeah. Yeah, they did a different art, which was much closer that you could actually tell it was Kai. But yeah. anyways, other ones have all all been changed, and this one obviously has been changed as well. So the only other exception I think is the old frame Dark Confidant Judge promo. But again, those don't really count, anyways. Yeah, promos are kind of a weird Judge promos are a weird like side reprint. Yeah. So yeah, but the fact that it's not the Tiago Chan art, uh, it's also not the RPTQ art. It's entirely different art, which is also fa- which is a fantastic piece of artwork in and of itself. Yeah. Um. It's definitely a card that's going to help sell the set. It's definitely going to be a great card to open as a mythic. You're going to take it every time. It's going to be fantastic. Um, it's just a good card in general. Speaking of a great mythic, you're going to take every time. Guess who's back? Lily's back. back. <laughs> yeah, Lily's back. <laughs> Lily on the veil. Because uh, well, this is one like people are like, wait, wait, she might not be in this. Oh my god, like why haven't we seen her yet? No, she's back. Um, yeah. Like the one that basically is like, yeah, she's going to be in the set. I was just surprised she wasn't on the artwork of anything yeah. or in terms of being on the car uh, the packaging basically is what i meant by that uh but she's back apparently all right so apparently she's already dropped in price and a couple of these other ones that were like 50 60 cards are already dropping like a rock down like yeah scalding tarns were 80 bucks and i think they're i'm checking their price now scalding tarns are now down to 75 60 
They're drop. Basically, what it is is we're already seeing these cards drop before the pat the set has even been opened, and yeah. that's basically what you want from this kind of thing. Um, they want it a little bit like uh, one that hasn't really seen a huge drop yet, but we just got some sweet new art on it. Is Goblin Guide? Yep. Good old Gobbo's back. Goblin Guide is. He's only dropped. Goblin Guide is back for their first reprint. That's not a promo. Yeah. Um, with some with some cool art. Yeah, they've dropped about four dollars. Yeah, that's it. Um, absolutely great thing. Plus, we got uh, what was the goblin other goblin card? The oh, uh, there was Goblin Assault. Yeah, Goblin Assault getting downshifted from rare to uncommon. From rare to uncommon, which is amazing. It's goblin Assault, by the way, is the two red enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, create a one-one red goblin creature token with haste. Goblin creature attack each turn if able. Great. Red aggro. For those of you who just... play more recently, that's the that's the ability of Goblin Rabble Master. Yeah. And I saw people were like, hey, does this mean we're gonna get Rabble Master? I'm like, guys, M15 doesn't unlock for another sit. We have to wait till 2019 for that one to unlock. <laughs> oh yeah. But it definitely that card is definitely there for kind of the red for the red go wide or red black sack deck. Oh yeah. Because it just generates tokens. You can just be like yeah, for free. Boop. Uh some more exciting reprints. Um, at Uncommon, we have Path to Exile. Absolutely. With the original art from Shards of Alara, with the Leon and turning into feathers. Yeah, abs- and, absolutely needed, as that card, despite all of its many printings, still a $10 common. Yeah, still. Yeah. And, back at Uncommon, from being a rare and conspiracy to Inquisition of Kozlak. Good old Inquisition. Um, obviously, that was a card that really took a huge hit or huge upswing at one point, and was like, hey guys, Thoughtseize is the new budget Inquisition of Kozilek. Not anymore. We got in- Inquisition back. Happy to see it. It does have the new art with um, a one vampire headbutting another vampire, but that's still fine. Oh yeah, yeah. it's got the Conspiracy 2 headbutt art, but yeah, no big. Uh, next card we have on the list is uh, one mainly for the commander players, because there's got to be cards for everybody. Zur the Enchanter. Uh, which is definitely one of the most powerful commanders in the entire just commander sphere. Um, don't play it unless you want people to hate you. Yeah, it's uh, one white and a one white, blue, black. So you're looking at an Esper for a one-four flying legendary creature, human wizard. It says whenever Zerdian Enchanter attacks, you may search your library for an enchantment card with converted mana cost three or less and put it onto the battlefield. If you do, shuffle your library. Now, you mean Necropotence. That could be Necropodes, or Necropotence, however you say it. Uh, it could be stuff like O-Ring. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Um, Phyrexian Arena. Do, do auras work with him? Yes. Yeah, so there you go. You know what else you can get with Xur? What? Thassa. Oh, God, the gods work, don't they? <laughs> well, there's only one god. Well, it, the only gods that he could get are Thassa and Farika, but... How could you get Farika? He's Esper. Well, he wouldn't in Commander unless you're playing five colors. There you go. There's only only two only two of the gods are three mana or less. You could get a uh, Athreos. Oh, Athreos. Yeah, but Athreos isn't really good in this style of deck. But and I don't play. Being... I don't play Commander. I'm just looking at the color types. But anyway, Zur is gonna be great. You're gonna get some more foils out there in the wild for him. Yep. Uh, a card that I would have loved to have gotten for us, but again, we don't have a preview card because Ian loves this card, Might of Old Crosa. Oh, man. What I would have given to have been able to preview this card. One day, one day we will get a preview card. Today's not that day, but man, 
It's got a some interesting new art. It's a giant centaur on it. Um, I I'm happy it's back. It was creeping up in price because it's only ever had the one printing. In time spiral. Yeah, in time spiral, and it was about a ten dollar common, and now it's slowly creeping back down. I'm just happy to possibly pick up some new foils for this. Oh yeah. Uh, next on the list is a card that I have a uh, a fondness for, which is Pyromancer Ascension. One Again. of the key parts of the old Storm decks. Again, like we mentioned it. Um, funnily enough, this is like the only Ascension that's been spoiled, so probably just kind of... I'm actually curious because we have Pyromancer Ascension, and another card that's in red that's a mythic is Past in Flames. With that's new played art. In, in a, with new artwork by Anna Steinbrauer, and it looks so good. Uh, but we're seeing like some kind of cards that kind of fit into storm decks. We'll mention another one that would be weird and limited, but could potentially be kind of funny. Um, we don't know if there's going to be any storm payload or payoff cards yet, like an empty the Warrens or a grape shot that those have not been spoiled as of the recording, of, recording. of this podcast. So we'll see. Yep. Uh, the first card that was spoiled period. And the card that got everybody just kind of, all right, fine. I'll buy into this. Damnation. I mean, the, the article that announced it said, fine, here you go. <laughs> like, <laughs> it literally, like the article it. just says, like, fine, dot, 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 here you go. It's like, it's about, and the article I think was named is About Time or something like that. Um, um, I, I loved one comment on the Reddit thread where it's like, I would have loved to be able to give the okay to Adam Prozac to just end the article with, okay, here it is, dot, dot, dot. And then just have a completely separate article where Adam goes through why it took so long to reprint Damnation. <laughs> <laughs> Which would have been a really trolly move. And then Sam Stoddard had the even trolliest of troll moves of not previewing Damnation and just saving it for the full card gallery. Yeah, I would have thought that would... I, to be fair, like, as far as troll trolling goes and, like, just being like, I had check the full spoiler, that would have been hilarious. But... Yes, people would I do, have lost their minds. I do... I, I, you had to front load this or put it at the very end. Um, front loading it. I felt made a perfect sense. Um, we joked about it last round. Yeah. This is the longest running joke. Apparently, it was like, "Oh, why is damn like why is damnation a thing? It's not really played." It's been an ongoing community joke for ten years now. The card was printed ten years ago. Um, apparently, they also mentioned in one of their articles that this was supposed to get re- like they actually confirmed that yes, this was supposed to be reprinted in uh, M15. However, at the time. Mono black was considered too strong. They didn't want to give it any new pieces. So yeah, in the FFL when they were when they were doing the FFL for M15, Theros had just came out and Mono black was running all over the place and they had to pull Damnation from the set because it was also in, well it was in Thunderbolt Annihilation, but then they pulled it to put it in M15 and they pulled it because it was because Mono black was too good, but it was too late to put it in FTV Annihilation and then it just took forever. And then um, it was and then they tried putting it in um uh, what was it called? Origins, but it morphed into Languish. Yeah, they were trying new things out with, with their Wrath effects at, at Magic Origins. Um, the big thing is that Mono Black not only killed Damnation from M15, but it also killed Liliana the Veil in M15. So if you want to blame, if you want to know why those card, those two cards haven't been reprinted since, like in any time since then, blame Mono Black Devotion. Hashtag blame Packrat. That too. And Gary, but Gary wasn't playing that anyway. Uh, coming up, Resto Angel in the Blink deck. Yep. Remember we mentioned Blink? This is like one of the awesome rares you want to grab for the Blink deck. Um, she goes without saying. You know, yep. Uh, great cube card, great commander card, great car- modern f- card for modern. Combos with Kiki Jiki, yeah. which would be hilarious if it was in the set. 
But funny card that we don't know. Funny card that got spoiled that combos pseudo with this one is Seance, the ridiculously kind of weird and kind of jokey um, enchantment that Lur that Loading Ready Run got the spoiler for, and that it's kind of been in the community as like the whole Seance thing. If it, you know, top eight's a pro tour, some bounty for it and burning the cards, kind of weird. But it's it's a two white white enchantment that says at the beginning of your upkeep. You may exile target creature card from your graveyard. If you do, create a token that's a copy of that card, except it's a spirit in addition to its other types. Exiled it at the beginning of the next end step. So you can, like, put Resto Angel, like, have, like, a Resto Angel yard, exile it, seance it, blink it, get some other cool, weird blinky effects, and what's a great blink target, John? Thrag Tusk. Swiggity Swag Tusk. You'll notice that a lot of the cards we mentioned last week on cards we would like to see in the set are actually in the set, like Thrag Tusk, <laughs> which is absurd. To be fair, I think I didn't even bother looking back at our list. I'm pretty sure we hit darn near every single card on that list. I think we did with a few exceptions. Like Thunderbolt Hellcut hasn't been spoiled yet, and I don't think it's going to Oh, no, it's, it's not because it was a mythic. Neither here nor there. But even then, like... No, Thunderbolt was a rare. It was? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure it was rare. Anyways, um... Yeah. yeah, we have those All two. Right, so we, hit Lil- then- we hit Liliana. We got Goblin Guide. We hit Thrag Tusk. We hit Past and Flames. We hit Damnation. There's a few others that we hit that are that are further down our list that we need to get to. Yeah, but we got some myth like kind of in that whole uh, Innistradian standard time. Some of the popular cards of the day were Miracle cards. We got three of yep. them. We have At Mythic, Bonfire of the Damned, Entreat the Angels, and Temporal Mastery. And then at rare, we have Terminus. Yeah, so the great part about these cards is they actually gave some of these to some of the community members who are very well known for these particular cards. Like Terminus, they gave to Joe Lissette, who is a uh, Legacy Miracles master. Um, yep. And Terminus, he's like, it's just like the best card in the set because he loves Terminus. Um, yep. They gave Bonfire of the Damned to none other than uh, Kibler. <laughs> <laughs> who not for casting it but for being on the receiving end of, of like of the bonfire of like of one of the most insane magic gifts of all time where the i forget what country it was it was in a portal magic cup basically flips the top of their deck miracles it off slams it taps the mana and then just goes spreads the hands wide it's like go at you <laughs> and lsv yeah. and kevlar just look at each other it's like well <laughs> just the, the dejectedness and the community actually like there's a gif of the card, like the card frame, and the image, the card image is just the gif of that happening. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, Temporal Mastery was given to uh, to Straniac and Windmill Slam, and Entreat the Angels was given to Alexander Hain, who won a Pro Tour with said card. Yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy. Uh, my buddy uh, Straniac or Dennis got a really cool card to preview with that. Um, oh, yeah. He's he's been doing some great work over at Windmill Slam. Plug. Go check out them out. They're really cool guys from Ireland. Oh, yes. Windmill Slam. Check them out. I've actually done some drafts with them like via Skype a yep. couple times. So it's fun. Uh, we got Venser in Jennifer that speak, speaking of blank. Who was a $20 card. But this is the From the Vault 20 artwork. Yep. So this is the first time that this art is going to show up in paper non-foil. In a booster so, pack. No, yeah. no, no less. Yeah. Um, and he's the two blue blue with a legendary creature human wizard with Flash. That says, uh, when you when it enter, he's a two two when, when it enters the battlefield, turn or target spell or permanent to its owner's hand. So it's kind of like a remand on a stick. 
is a very very powerful tempo play. It doesn't have a, it doesn't have the card drawer man, but it's yes. really good in those kind of like blink decks if you want it, or it that, kind of not even blink deck because it's not even hitting the battlefield. Nope. You can blink well, you can blink him though. Oh yes, he, he Venture is a fantastic blink target. Absolutely, he's not the one who's going to be blinking. He's the one to blink. Yes. Um, next up at Mythic is Linvala Keeper of Silence for her first reprint ever from Rise of the Eldrazi. Um, she's a four mana, three, four flying angel, and she makes your opponent's creatures not be able to activate any abilities like mana dorks or Tims, like pingers or anything like that. So, so hateful. So, so hateful. Oh yeah. It's about time because she was up to $50 at one point. She's down to like 35 now, but still crazy. Yeah. We got some hate cards coming up that are getting yep. reprinted. Probably not great in limited environment, but definitely need a reprint in Grafdigger's Cage and Stony Silence. Oh, yes. Stony Silence needs one, and Grafdigger's Cage needs one as well. Um, but we're getting them now. Uh, fun card from the RTR block. This is one of the first ones we've actually mentioned, I think, from RTR block, besides the Guild Gates, to be perfectly honest, is uh, good old Sphinx's Rev. The card that ended the game before you realized you were dead. Yeah, like, you're like, oh, okay, cool, they just gain a bunch of life and draw a couple cards. Then, like, six turns later, you're like, oh, right, I lost <laughs> it on that Sphinx's Rev, didn't I? It's like, yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. Sphinx's Rev is a rude card. So, something John might be picking up soon. Give because given. Because of this new Storm deck. Like, people are like, man, they're just reprinting, like, all the Storm deck. <laughs> yeah, Gifts Ungiven is, is a very popular card. It's very powerful. Unfortunately, it's Banded Commander. Um, but the card that it's based off of is not, which is Intuition, which is weird. That's a whole other debate. Uh, but Gifts Ungiven is a very powerful card. Um, it's it's definitely a, a fun card to try to open in Limited and see if you can pull, if you can try to do some shenanigans with it, which I think would be really cool. I don't know if it's so, possible, but it would be really cool. So one thing I've seen people comment on, especially regarding Gifts Ungiven when that was uh, previewed, was, man, this this set just feels like Cube it feels like a oh, modern yeah. cube. Most of these Masters products have a cube-ish feel to them. But, but so. this one especially has, like, just high-value cube kind of cards, like ones you'd see for some strategies. We need to see if, like, they'll actually pan out in terms of, like, potentials. Like we mentioned Storm, like a like limited Storm we need Storm to see the comments and uncommons, which we won't see till Friday, so. But even then, like, so far in terms of the top-end stuff, we still have more cards to talk about, obviously. Yeah. We're, we're getting in more into, like, some of the commons and uncommons to talk about now. Like it should be really good. Souls. Oh my god, lingering souls flashback, lingering souls. Um, one thing I put here is we've seen some kind of unearth as a thing to work with the graveyard, and obviously with past and flames, it gives every card flashback. This is one of the first we've actually seen with straight up flashback on it. Um, yeah, I kind of would like to see some more flashback because it was a big thing in Innistrad. Um, we yeah we have past and flames as a flashback, and I think that's about it. Yeah. Pretty sure. Yeah, so far I don't see any other ones. Um, we'll have to see. Yeah. But, um, well, go ahead. Oh, no, yeah. Keep going. Okay, so next up we have Falconrath Aristocrat, which, which is downshifted from Mythic to Rare, which is yeah. a red-black 4-1 flyer with haste. You can sack creatures to give it indestructible, and if you sack a human, it gets a plus plus encounter. Great oh. finisher, great card for a red-black sack deck. Like, Very this powerful. is this is everything you want. Like, if you, I mean, we already mentioned the, uh, the Goblin Assault, like, Jeez, have Falcon? You play Goblin Assault on three, Falcon Wrath, Falcon Wrath Aristocrat on four. Give with haste, generates that token. You just sack that; it gains indestructible. And I mean, you're not gonna get the counter on it, but I mean, jeez, 
You're, you got a 4-1 four, four flying haste, and you're guaranteed sack fodder every turn. Yeah, Aristocrat is a big beater. Uh, another card that's been downshifted to common from rare is Mortician Beetle, a single black mana for a 1-1 one, one insect that whenever a player sacrifices a creature, put a plus puzzle counter on it. Uh, this one actually has people talking because apparently it's a part of a four-card combo in Pauper that lets you go infinite on the Mortician Beetle. Yeah, because that card needs help. <laughs> but it's a four-card combo, so it's not going to be as like, oh my god, you printed this absolutely broken card. Cough, cough, Peregrine Drake, cough. <laughs> um, don't worry, we're not seeing that. But I think it's cool, like, we're seeing some cards, like, the downshifting from Rare. This happened before with uh, Scion of the Wild last time in yes. Modern Masters 15, which went from Rare to uh, Common. That was the Star Star that had power toughness based on the amount of creatures you controlled. Oh, yeah. So. Um, and then there were also two in EMA, which was uh, King Crocodile and Elvish Vanguard. Emperor Crocodile. Emperor Crocodile. I knew it was some sort of regal name. Regal Croc. Um, speaking of green cards... Hoof, there it is, is Hoof, in the there it is. Oh, yeah, good old good old Crater Hoof Behemoth is back. The five green, 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 five, five haste. Whenever it enters the battlefield, creatures you control gain trample and get plus X, plus X until end of turn where X is the number of creatures you control. This is going to be the card that you want to slam put in your deck if you are in the go-wide strategy, whether it be the green go-wide or the red go-wide with coupled yeah. with green. Do not underestimate how good Craterhoof is. Craterhoof is an absurd magic card. Now, one thing we kind of, I kind of want to mention that we didn't put in our notes here is Primal Command is in the set. Three green, oh, yeah. green sorcery. You choose two. You could tutor if you like. Primal Command is one of those cards that's probably going to go around the table. You could probably just grab this card to tutor for your Craterhoof, because <laughs> one of its modes is search your library for a creature card, reveal it, put it in your hand, shuffle your library. Also goes pretty great with Domri Raid. <laughs> yep, that's definitely the case. <laughs> um, next card on the list, Death's Shadow, which we also had on our list as well. Oh, yeah. Um, and I'm actually, I put a note on this one specifically because I sold out of my Death's Shadows this, on Monday. <laughs> well, I, I kind of cashed out of my cards because I was like, yeah, I'm never playing Death's Shadow aggro. And I had, I had this plus Mishra's Bobble, which has not been spoiled to this yeah. point really hoping it does just because it's a $20 uncommon and it needs it um oh, but yeah. death shadow i wasn't gonna play it i was i could get good value out of it from card kingdom uh, on the sellback. i think it was like nine or ten dollars in store credit at the time which is nice and i figured it had a good likelihood of being reprinted given the fact that over the last year or two it has actually uh seen a little bit more um play so it's felt like a good inclusion in the set and i'm glad i did but death shadow it's I don't know how it's going to fit in the limited strategy because there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of the I hit myself to do I'm damage to. I'm pretty sure this is more just a card you take because you're an aggro deck and you can actually and you're you don't care about your life total. But I don't think this is a deck a card that you're going to turbo out early and have it be like a you know a turn three five five or anything like that. Oh no, yeah. There's to to my knowledge, I don't really like just just a quick scroll over the thing again because I've been scrolling up and down the list the entire time we're talking here. Uh, I don't see anything that says deal damage to yourself, except with the exception of the fetch lands. Like that's yeah. it. And in limited format, it's another rare you'd have to grab. So, don't really. I don't think there's a way to really bring yourself low. Plus, yeah. why would you with burn it? Like, yeah. man, it would feel bad you get yourself down low enough to get your death shadow big enough, and then your opponent just goes bonfire. Lol. 
pretty much. Um, Another card that we uh, that we almost neglected to mention, but Ian caught us, is uh, Terminate. Yeah, um, and the really cool part about this is that it actually completes an art cycle. Oh yeah, the art so cycle of a... Sun Titan. Yep. So, what's cool is Sun Titan, you know, has the very distinct like chest plate armor stuff like that. So you see him doing that, and then in Terminate, this is him dying. However, we said it's a cycle. It's a three card cycle that includes the one of the newer printings of Animate Dead. If you go look at, I think. I forget which one the new animate deck. It is uh, the Graveborn deck. Okay, so the Graveborn animate deck, if you go look at that card, you see a creature, and it's the Sun Titan being reanimated from animate dead. So this is how you you see him alive in Sun Titan, he dies in Terminate, and then he gets revived in animate dead. So if you're, looking, if you're looking for a flavor win, there you go. Oh, yeah. Uh, another card that is another downshift, which is now available for Popper as well, Burning Tree Emissary. Two red-green hybrid mana for a 2-2 that when it enters the battlefield, you get a red and a green mana. Yeah, so it's kinda, essentially free. Yeah, we, we... The one... This is the card I mentioned earlier about if there's potential storm stuff. Um, this might be a card you might want to pick up. We don't... We haven't seen any kind of rituals yet, but this is a decent way to build some storm count. Absolutely. We'll see. E- either way... People are already like hyped as heck about this card getting into Pauper. Also at two mana, getting into Pauper now. Magma Jet, the one in a red instant that deals two damage to target creature or player, and you scry two. Straight value homie. Straight up. It is weird that it has the Theros art and not the fifth dawn art, but I think that's forgivable. Um, yeah, I, that was kind of the weird thing, because remember, this only goes up to M14. M14 and beyond, or after M14 is Theros, and Theros, so it's Theros, M15, Khan's a Tarkir block, and Magic Origins will not unlock for Magic uh, Ma- Modern Masters reprint until 2019. So, yeah. but speaking of M14... Spoiled not too long ago. About just, an hour. Just over an hour ago. By the, by the wonderful folks at Magic Mike's, Scoos. Scavenging Ooze. Originally printed in a Commander product and then printed in M14 to be available for modern and standard players. And it was good in all of those formats and continues to be good in modern. Um, it's just a really good card. It hates on graveyards really easily. It can be a big threat. It can save you from aggro. It's just a really good card. Yeah, it's. I, I think it's a, a nice value card for draft. Like, it's, it's value money-wise, but it's also a good two-mana creature to put down and just start eating your opponent's graveyard oh yeah or your own if you if you're if you're desperate yeah well it also really works nicely i mean i know it's not that particular thing but you could go jund sacrifice yep. if you're able to get the fixing for it remember jund has a try land it does it certainly does um uh, well one thing i also kind of bring up with jund for that instance we didn't i didn't put in here but it was spoiled relatively early on the other day uh the we'll call, i guess you can call it the uh shard creature cycle from shards of the shards alara block is back so you're looking at like shadaxra specter which is the grixis 3-2 flyer uh you've got tower gargoyle which is the four mana esper 4-4 flyer sprouting thrinax which is the jund 3-3 uh lizard that creates a bunch of saplings when it dies you got rocks Warmonk, the 3-4 lifelinker for bant mana and woolly thokdar which is the naya 5-4 just straight up I got a big dude. Um, oh, yeah. 
I think it's kind of cool. They're all at Uncommon. It's the cycle came back because obviously this is a gold kind of leaning uh, deck, or not deck, set. Really cool that it's back. Oh, yeah. And then uh, the last two cards we're going to talk about, which were spoiled, uh, again, just about an hour ago, Blood Moon by MTG Goldfish and Voice of Resurgence by the Mana Source. Yeah, these are some just bananas reprints. Uh, Blood Moon is sorely needed. Um, It's been a pricey card, and it's only gotten pricier, even with its reprint in... uh, Modern Masters, the OG Modern Masters, um, it's a $45 card. And it's the two yeah. red non-basic lands or mountain. Like, it, it's one of the ultimate hate cards in uh, modern sideboards and some main boards based on your deck. Um, it needed a reprint. It's getting a reprint. I'm happy it's here. I hate. I would hate to see it across the board for me, but I'm happy it's getting a reprint. Oh, yeah. Don't play it unlimited, though. Don't do that. Eh, or do yeah, it. it feels... Oh. Depends if you hate fun. If you notice your opponent, if you happen to have it, and you notice your opponent's playing a lot of Guild Gates and Trilands, just put it in your deck, man. Hate away. Uh, Voice of Resurgence. The most expensive card from Dragon's Maze. At like 20-some bucks. <laughs> but this is. is one... Oh, man. Yeah, this, this is one we kind of... I, I kind of mentioned... Um, I don't think I put it in the show notes for last week, but I kind of mentioned it just as like... It's one of the few cards from Dragon's Maze that they would actually really want to focus on in the set. Plus, it fits the green populate tokens go wide strategy that they usually have in these master sets anyway. So it had a good home. Yep. So that that alone, um, I'm borrowing math from Evan Irwin off Magic Mike's uh, podcast that was recording right before we were doing it. He was saying before even these three cards, Scoo's, Blood Moon, and Voice of Resurgence, alone have like a combined value of like 60 70 bucks if you just want to buy those three cards the set was already pushing 300 dollars without all the common and uncommon filler like just up to wednesday monday to wednesday the set already had a basically singles cost of over 300 dollars for a set that's i think it was talking about the box ev but yeah well, the, well the, i'm saying the box ev the, the expected value of the set is like insane oh yes absolutely the, this set looks ridiculous i we already mentioned it, but I really want to see what the commons and uncommons are looking like. Yeah, that's going to be the real test of whether or not this is a good limited format versus a bad limited format. Because you can have all these powerful and expensive cards in it, but if the set doesn't play well, then it's not going to get opened as much. But. I mean, it's one thing I'm sure I'll probably do a draft or two of it. If I mean, if I don't get, find a team uh, for Grand Prix San Antonio... I will probably just be playing a bunch of this um, inside events and sealed. I'll be streaming it for sure. Hopefully, oh, yeah. I'm able to. Hopefully, you know, I'll be in Texas when it's around. Yeah, I mean, depending on when it reaches online. Yeah, I should be around. We'll do some streams. <laughs> oh yes, it'll be. This set does look very spicy. So yeah, so I think all right. So kind of like just switching back off of Modern Masters 2017, which is hilariously good. Um, we've had a great year. Yep. I look forward to another year or so and longer. Um, Yeah. Uh, I would say more than just hopefully, but we'll definitely be pushing. I mean, we'll be doing our 100th episode sometime in late January or February of next year. So that would be cool to hit 100. um, But 52 episodes, one year. Good stuff. It's quite the thing to look back on. Yeah, it's like one of those, it's like, just had to warp my schedule. Like, not, like, not a bad way warping my schedule, but it's like, yep, got a plan for Wednesdays. 
It's it's yes, kind of nice. Again, we, re- we record on Wednesdays, as as you all should probably know by now. Yeah. But in any case, I think that's going to do it for us today. It's been real fun. It has been a fun. I am really looking forward to seeing the set come out. Uh, my local game store is hosting a, a PPTQ the day after the set comes out, and they're considering having it be a Modern Masters PPTQ. Dude. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. In any case... Ian, if people wanted to find you on the social medias, where would they do so? You guys can find me on Twitter at DixonIJ. That's D-I-X-O-N-I-J. And you can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Dix. You can also find me in various Magic Stream chats. If you do see me, say hey. I will say hey, hey back. I'm friendly. Um, but no, I'll probably be streaming maybe tomorrow, maybe Friday. I'll definitely stream like maybe Monday of next week. I'll see how it goes. Um, it'll probably be some standard, maybe some modern. I don't know. Just follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Twitch. We'll see how it goes. John, where can they find you? You guys can find me on Twitter at jwiley129 and on Twitch by the same handle. Although I'm considering changing that handle with Twitch's new thing of you being able to change what your screen name is. But in any case, if you wanted to reach the podcast directly, you could do so on Twitter at eyes on the mice. Or if you have a more personal question, shoot us an email at eyes on the mice at gmail.com. We would love to hear your feedback and how we can best improve the podcast for your listening experience. In any case, that was Ian. I'm John. It's been a year. Thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you all next time. Mm-hmm.